You're listening to Recap FM's coverage of the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. I'm JD. I'm Seal. Today we are talking about the first episode titled 1-23-45. Did you watch it? So we're going to get right into the recap right now. Let's start with the introduction of the show. All right. I feel like that's probably the, the best place to start it. Usually the beginning is the best place to start. Yes. So we've got Legasov. And we're going to butcher names because oh, yeah. we don't uh, have accents or anything like that. Yeah. Well, they don't in the show either, which I thought was kind of cool. They just, they just ran with it. I know, which is okay. Yeah. Sometimes period pieces, you're not fine with them not having an accent. Sometimes you're fine with it. That's when I was okay with it. Yeah. So Legasov, he's basically recording a podcast. You know, he's kind of, yeah. An old school tape recorder, and microphone, telling the story of what happened in Chernobyl. And telling it to someone. Yeah. And, and which raises a lot of questions. Why is he having to record a story? You know, years after it happened, doesn't everybody know the truth? It's like one of the biggest disasters in the history of the world. But, I mean, we'll get into that. But it's interesting to think, what is he recording down and why? So, but it it affected him quite deeply because after he records it, he hides the tapes in um, some newspaper, walks outside like he's taking his trash out and hides him behind a little vent close to his trash can. Yeah. Old school Cold War dead drop. Yeah, that's the best place to do it. You know, you got to have dead drops. You got to have places that only certain people know about. And there's clearly somebody watching it. Y- yes. <laughs> like, who, good guy or bad guy, maybe it's the person picking up his drop. Maybe it's someone making sure he doesn't make a drop. We don't know. I assumed it was KGB. I would assume that as well. So he goes back inside, kind of hangs around for a little bit, waits for the clock to strike, one twenty three forty five, and then he hangs himself. Mm-hmm. Well, after getting, you know, putting on his, you know, coat and tie, yeah, feeding the cat. Did you notice all the food he left out for the cat? I did see that, and the uh, smoking a cigarette because Have, having a cig, you got to smoke a cigarette. That's important. And then you know he's watching the clock, and then something triggers him. He looks at his watch and he stabs it out like, oh, he's in a hurry to get yeah. somewhere. Oh, no, got to be where I'm going to get there. And so, it turns out there is, you know, across the room on a chair, I assume right. he dove off of. Right. So he hung himself. And then it cuts to two years earlier. Cuts to two years and one minute. And one minute earlier. So we see um, a lady using the restroom, pregnant, smoking a cigarette, which, because why wouldn't you? It was the 80s. It was the 80s. In Everybody Russia. did that, yeah. And then you hear, boom, and you see, I love the way they film this in the background through the window. You see kind of this explosion, mm-hmm. and then you hear it. With, you hear, you hear f- it and feel it. Yeah. With the time lapse, and you're like, oh, this could be serious. And uh, turns out it is serious. It is. We've got uh, Dyatlov in the control room of Chernobyl, and he basically is like, what What'd you guys do? You have totally screwed this up. There's... It's not as bad as it could be. You know, he's downplaying it, and there's continual downplay throughout the whole episode. Oh, yeah. Which is, I would probably do that too until I was faced with reality. But downplaying, he's like, okay, this is what we need to do. You need to lower these control rods. We need to get water in the core. We Okay, fine. We've kind of screwed up a little bit, but it's not as bad as it could be. Let's take care of this. And people are telling him, uh, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. Like, listen, I can't do that. And he gets to the point, eventually he's like, all right, bring in the day crew, bring in all these people, call the fire brigade, get everybody here, and let's let's deal with this. And if he had really realized 
what had happened, he wouldn't have done any of that. He'd have been like, okay, let's get everybody out. Let's not bring everybody in and make this situation any worse. infinitely yeah. worse. Well, he makes an assumption right away that it's that it's this one thing that happened yeah. that we find out they, they, they talk about because the catastrophic thing of the reactor exploding, well, that can't happen. Yeah, our cores this, don't explode. This design, this reactor design can't explode. Right. Tell and me. so he's just bagging on everybody saying, y'all are wrong, you're stupid, do what I tell you. It's this hydrogen tank, it blew up, it's not a problem. Right. It, it is a very large tank. So with it, it is possible and plausible that it being so large, we could do that. You know, we could take care of that and that would happen. And then the irony was they're in the middle of a safety test. Right. A safety just, test, you know, and if we know like the real history, but I'm not going to go into that, but because uh, that takes away from the show, yep. the mystique of the show. So, I mean, the thing that we really need to focus on, though, is that we as viewers know how bad it is. Like the whole time you see people getting sick, throwing up, people's faces melting off, people's hands melting off. Yeah, dude's hand just melted right off of him. Yeah, he touched this little thing on the ground through a glove, and then a minute later, he's like, oh, my God, and his hand is just melting. Yeah, he picks it up. Okay, you, he's a firefighter. He should know better. He walks up, and he picks up this big thing. We turned the big chunk of graphite off the ground. Yeah. And he turns to his buddy. He's like, hey, look at this. And his buddy's like, dude, put that down. And then, sure enough, you know, a couple minutes later, they're peeling his glove off. And right. Like, yeah. Radiation's nasty. Radiation is nasty. Well, because they have these dosometers. <clears throat> Dosimeter. And dosimeter, you're right. Same thing. Do we get into pronunciations here? Dosimeter and 3.6. Oh, that's not bad. It's not terrible. But they keep missing the one little phrase. That's as high as it goes. 3.6 is as high as it goes. Yep. So they're like, okay, get the good one out of the safe. They get the good one out of the safe, and it fries immediately. Immediately when it gets in the air. Just okay. Eggs. Bang! It's burned out. They're like, oh, well, that's some shitty equipment. No, 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 no. So they get another military-grade one, and it goes up to 200, and it maxes out at 200, which a 200 reading on that is is not the best situation. Yeah, 200 millisieverts yeah. is bad. It's, really bad. it's, you know, that's a lethal dose. Lethal, I mean, not lethal to everybody. Untreated, it's lethal. Untreated, lethal, yeah. yeah. Like, I think it two, it's like at 200, it's 200 or 400, and 50% of people untreated it's lethal and then when you get up to like 600 it's like in 100 percent of people if it's untreated it's lethal and you get up into the thousands right and there's not really anything you can do right yeah you, you, it's just a death sentence at yeah. that point so the committee meets like before that diatloff reports to the head of the plant and also the head engineer and like still downplaying it we had this and this it was a little bit of an explosion everything's fine we're putting water in it's fine we just need to bring in the day shift to have some more people Bringing the firefighters, put out the fire, it's going to be cool. And then the committee meets, and I'm not sure who all these committee members are, but it seems like the community leaders, because the whole town revolves around this power plant. And people start questioning. They're like, I have wife and children here. There's ash coming from the ground. People have said that there's graphite and stuff flying on the ground. You can see chemicals in the air. The air is like a totally different color. I feel like this is more serious than y'all are saying. And... Of course, the engineer and people are like, that's not true. It's fine. You, you don't know what you're talking about. And then old dude stands up and has maybe the worst suggestion, but the most, 
what I imagine 80s KGB Russia would say. He's like, okay, the sheeple, the people here, they need us to tell them what's right. Mm-hmm. It's our job to lead them. And the way we lead them is by forcing them to stay here, closing the roads. Cut off the phones. Cut off the phone lines. That way, misinformation can't be disseminated. We need to protect that from happening. So in order to do that, let's just cut them off from the rest of the world and let them know that everything's fine, which is ridiculous. You know, as when you're watching most of the show as a viewer, you're like, what? This can't possibly be real. But I mean, it, it's what happened. They cut off from the rest of the world to say, okay, everything's fine. But then people start to get sick. Even Dyatlov throws up because he's had too much radiation. Yep, he's ranting and raving, and then all of a sudden just bark. And he wasn't even close to it. Well, no. he was close to it, but he was on the property, but he wasn't, you yeah. know. There's people he who— He stood out on that catwalk and smoked a cigarette. Right. There's people but, who walked into the core room. Yeah. And, I mean, that one dude that, like, pried open the door immediately started bleeding, and you're like, oh, Yeah, God. he just kind of melted right there. This is really not good. No. This is really not a good situation. So, I mean, seriously— the evidence is mounting. It's really, really bad. What is happening is not good. Still denial. Like I said, there's graphite on the ground. People are burning, faces melting off. Everybody's getting sick. And then the people in the town, which is not super close, but close enough, they can't sleep because of the sirens and because of the show. So they all gather on this bridge to, yeah. kind, of, to kind of watch. Well, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was a kid, there were times there was a tornado that was close by, and my parents were like, hey, let's go outside and watch it. Probably not the smartest thing. Wouldn't do that with my kids now, but in the 80s, totally fine. Totally fine. Well, and you're, I'll get into this later, but, I mean, you're dealing with this whole community of people and, quite honestly, an entire nation of people. They've been told that this is safe. The yeah. state has said... Their caretaker has said, "No, this is safe. This is not a. This is there's yeah. no there's this is no big deal. This is safe. It's clean. You could take a bath in this and you'd be yeah. fine." Yeah, ashes falling on them. They're like, "Oh, it's just from the the roof of the building burning. It's fine." Women, children, n- people who don't work at the plant. I mean, everybody is out there being constantly exposed to it. And then it cuts from that to the scene the next morning after they fought the fire all night. Maybe they have the fire under control, but they certainly don't have the reactor thing under control at all. No. People going to school, people going to work. It's like nothing happened, like it was another day. And then you see this bird flying, 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 dead. Just falls to the ground, and that's really kind of a sign of what's coming and really kind of a symbol of how bad this is because a bird just flying through the air Fallen dead. That's not a normal occurrence. No, especially not a pigeon. Those things. Have you seen what they eat? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not a good situation. And then we get introduced to a main character who we saw at the very beginning of the show, back circles back around at the end of the show in his Legasoft. He receives a call from Sherbina, you know, the, the secretary of whatever. Boris. Yes, Boris. And he tells him, all right, here, uh, you're an expert on this kind of stuff, right? Well, there's been an explosion at Chernobyl. Um, everything's under control. I mean, Legasov is trying to ask questions, and Serpina's just talking over him, talking over him, letting him get a word in, and informs him, all right, here's the deal. You are here to answer technical questions. I don't want to hear anything else from you. I don't need suggestions on what we should do. I don't want to hear any word about policy. 
I just want you to come and if someone has a question like, how does the reactor work? What is nuclear power? You know, you can answer that because you're informed. But other than that, sit there and shut your mouth. And two-year two year younger Legasov is clearly much younger looking and healthier, man. Much healthier. So something is yeah. afoot. Something is something afoot. is Something is coming in his future. Yeah, so they've set the stage. We, Like I said, we know how bad it is. The people there are just now figuring it out, and it's interesting to see what what they're going to do, how they're going to react. So I want to touch on this idea of the power of propaganda. We, I think it's important. We got into it a little bit in the recap part of the discussion. I want to expand on it a little bit, get your thoughts. It's this idea of it can be so powerful, and this whole community... And we, you know, I, and I said earlier, oh, the whole nation. Well, let's just talk about this one little community of Pripyat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been sold this lie, this propaganda by the state, that what we're doing is safe. We're sure. what we're doing is good. What we're doing is right. It's for everyone's health and safety. This is for everyone's benefit. This is such a great thing. And so they stand on that damn bridge with the ash and the the, the metal filings coming down and they're breathing that stuff in. And the firefighters rush in without a second thought to put the fire out. Right. What they don't know is it's an exposed reactor core. Yeah. And, you know, it, no, everyone acts and they do their jobs. The civil services do their jobs. The community comes out and watches because, I mean, come on, you're going to. Right. If they'd been properly prepared, they wouldn't have been. I mean, what do you... What do you think about that? This the, in general, let's just talk about it as a philosophical abstract for a second. Yeah. The power of propaganda, the idea that you can perpetuate an idea and think, make people believe. I think it's it's powerful and it's very and when it's done well, it's something that it's hard to overcome as an individual. And it's certainly something that's hard to overcome when a group of your peers believes it as well. Like thinking for yourself. It's not something that we're often taught to do, especially when it comes to people who are in charge, when it comes to people who are there to protect us. Like we have certain assumptions when it comes to the government, to people that are there to protect us. Like they're not going to lie to us. Maybe not as much now in the world that we live in right now. There's a lot of questioning, but there's also a lot of one side versus the other side. And you take, believe whatever side you're on, the propaganda that they go through they, you certainly believe it even without really fact-checking some things. You're like, why would this person tell me this kind of stuff if it wasn't true? You know, you, I guess it's maybe some naivety on our part, just always expecting people to tell the truth or people to have your best interest at heart. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's difficult. And I, you can't fault them. Like, why would you what, – what reason would they have to not believe – what they're being told. Sure. And, the pro- and in this situation, the propaganda machine is so strong and so pervasive, it's in every aspect of their lives. So sure, they have no reason to believe or disbelieve in this one area yeah. when the state controls the narrative so much that it can at least create the illusion that what they say is true. And I think, honestly, part of it, too, is with the nuclear power, there are so many unknowns for the general public. Oh, sure. So I'm sure there are a lot of them are like, it's, the, the state wouldn't do this. They wouldn't set up something this dangerous and have us come here and live here and work here if it, w- if it was that bad. Exactly. But now that we know, there's a little bit of caution. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. And there's a flip side to that. There's, the, there's that power of the propaganda, the power of the press, the power of information. Mm-hmm. And then 
their and how it affects the people and then what about those perpetuating it this the outright hubris of those not only perpetuating the lie but those in power to a degree like Dyatlov yeah. who believe the lie you know, you got this guy, hey, I've got 25 years experience. I know what I'm doing. This reactor didn't explode. It was this minor accident. We're going to clear this up by morning. Everything's fine. And he just doubles down at every single turn. And you keep seeing that with other engineers and the, mm -hmm. the plant manager and the committee members that everyone in a, any kind of authority keeps doubling down on the lie. Well, I think part of it, too, is that that's just the easier solution. Maybe... Yeah, that would be my thing. Like, it can't be this. It can't be this. So I'm just going to say this. And I don't know if the, uh, how much of it is that for Dyatlov. I think a lot of it is like what you said. I mean, he was even described as a very arrogant person that nobody really cared for. And so I'm sure him, it's like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. There's no way that that's possible because it. I know, so I just won't even assume that the worst could happen. This is actually the worst that could happen, and that's what I'm going to tell everybody. And he even threatens some of the other younger engineers and saying, like, okay, I'm going to go report this. Uh, I can't make it better for you, but I could certainly make it worse. So you need to start doing what I say and moving, moving along. Get on the stick here, buddy, because... I, I'm in charge. Exactly. And that loops right back around to the idea of propaganda. And yeah. that would be him spinning his own yes. in that situation. Well, and Dyatlov being in charge there, he wants to spin it the best way possible for him. And oh, that's, yeah. Everything he says is like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's under control. I know. And even telling the chief engineer like, okay, this chief engineer is the one who designed this safety test. Mm -hmm. So it's not my fault. I yeah, you it. signed off on this and yeah. I did it exactly the way you told me to. And my guy, Kimov, did it the way that I told him to do it. So this is not my fault. Right. I was just following orders yeah. from you. You're the one in charge. So really, you're the one who screwed up. Exactly. And actually, that leads me to, I'm going to skip a point. We're going to loop, we're going to loop back around to another thing I want to talk about. But I want to go jump right to this idea of, uh, and, and there's a, a line, the old man says it in the meeting, our faith in the Soviet system will be rewarded. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the idea that, to me, that's laughable, but it's, you've got these guys that are trying to put their faith in the system, and the idea that if I do what I'm told, if I do exactly as I'm told, and behave exactly as I'm told, that's the system, the system will reward me, the system will take care of me. Yeah. And clearly, that's not what happened. Yeah, and you'd like to think that that's reality. Like if if I if I put in all this work, I deserve to be rewarded. If I'm faithful to something for a long time, I deserve to get my just rewards and my just due because I did what I was supposed to do. I expected to do what I was promised to me. And we, I mean, we all know that's not reality, and that's a tough yeah. lesson to learn in life. Sure. Like, oh, I've done everything that I was supposed to do. I did nothing wrong here, and still, it turned out really bad for me. You know. It turned out way worse than I ever imagined that it would. How is this fair? Well, you know what? I mean, it's, I know it's an old saying, but there's nothing saying that the fairness is involved in this equation. We would like to think that fairness is a, a factor, but it's not. It's never a factor, and especially in the case at Chernobyl, there's nothing fair about what's happening to them, even though they did everything that they're supposed to do. They put their faith in the people they thought they were supposed to. It doesn't matter. It does not mean that fairness is what they're due back. Yep, and it, it and it also takes away the idea of any kind of personal accountability. Absolutely, and you know, even though we're saying, "Hey, they did their jobs," well, a good 
leader should know his job is also to listen to his subordinates. Yeah. When he, has, a, when he has an eyewitness him? walk into the room and say, there is no more core. I looked at it. It's gone. He's in shock. Get him out of here. No, he's not in shock. He just was yeah. down in the room where the core was supposed to be. It's not there. Yeah, because the, because the system told him that information flows from the top to the bottom and he can't go against. And so it creates this, it creates its own downfall in that the true believers in it can't go against it. Right. And then you even see like when they talk to the chief engineer, there's graphite on the ground. Mm, there's no way there's graphite on the ground. That's not possible. But, but, but I'm telling you that I see graphite on the ground. Yeah, and, they, and he even flat out says, no, there isn't. Yeah, no, there isn't. That would mean that the core exploded. That's what we're telling you. Yeah. yeah. And then when they, I love when they threaten him, like, you need to go up there and look. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you're going to do that. Yeah. You're going to do that. Exactly. So which is a good segue into, I have this bullet point of talking about the philosophy, what I call the philosophy of the bare minimum. Okay. And to me, that is a quintessential example of the Soviet system. And you're going to hear me bag on that a lot because okay. I'm a child of the, born in the seventies, grew up in the eighties. <laughs> grew up and, in the cold war. Yeah, I grew up in the cold, you know, yeah. um, and this stuff has fascinated me all my life. Uh, anyway, but this idea of this, that everything there seems to have been run on this philosophy of the bare minimum. The firefighters, if you look at their equipment, they had just what they need. Now, yeah. granted, this is 2019. Firefighting equipment has come a long way, but if you look at what we had in the 80s versus what the Soviets did, mm -hmm. we were still ahead. leaps and bounds ahead. Yeah. You look at a great point is the dosimeters. Yes. They've got to take the reading. The 3.61 we keep coming back yeah. to. Well, that was the highest reading they had. Yeah, and they say three point. Well, it's reading three point six one. And Dialov's like, oh yeah, it's not. He's like, well, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I've seen. And they say, well, you know that our meters only go up that high. Yeah, they just ignore that point over and over. Well, go get the good one out of the safe. What? Yeah. What? Why do you have the good one, quote unquote, under lock and key when you have not one reactor there? There's four. four. You're sitting on four potential bombs that you think are not bombs, but you're sitting on four potential disasters, and you're telling me that you only have a meter good enough. Yeah. You got one in the whole property, and it's locked in a safe. And then we find out, guy goes to get it, and he goes, and his, the dude sitting on it's like, I can't get to it. I don't have the key to the safe. Right. Yeah. And then they finally get it and turn it on. It pegs and it blows out. Right. Just imagine, though, if they'd have had the good one or a better one, even marginally better, yeah. on site. If yeah. they'd had one that, that, that Went to read, 100. Yeah. Went to 100. 100 like, or 200. Oh, I mean, Lord. This yeah. is at 100. We've got a real problem here. So, you know, to put this in perspective, it's a, it's a two-point something um, millisieverts is what you would what you and I would absorb from background radiation walking around the planet in a year. Yeah. These things measure these millisievert dosages over an hour. Mm -hmm. So you've got 3.61 in an hour. Yeah. You've got over your limit for an entire year. Yeah, that's like a year and a half of your life that you're absorbing in an hour. Yeah. So the the statistic I saw I, I just saw in a, in a documentary was it's it's either I want to say it's either 200 or 400 um is Fatal in 50% of people if not treated. Wow. And then you get up to around 600, and it's fatal in 100% of people if not treated. Yeah. But then you get up into the thousands, and there's pretty much nothing you can do. Yeah. 
So, Even if you treat it, you can extend life. You know, why, why would you have something that read so low? Yeah. And, and But yeah, it's just this idea that just baffles me. Yeah, and I mean, I know a lot of people try to do things. Like, okay, we'll just do what counts. We'll just, we'll just cover our asses is basically what they're trying to do. But in a situation that dangerous, with that many lives at stake, you would think, all right, there's a little more at stake here. Let's do more than the bare minimum. Let's do what's necessary. But that just wasn't their philosophy. And there's a lot of people that's not their philosophy now. Working in construction, I know plenty of people that do the bare minimum of safety, even though you should do more because there's people's lives at stake. You can do more. There's plenty more that you can do. Be like, no, this is what we're required to do by law. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know that that's always the best way to do things. That is true. It's a terrible way to do things, actually. Yeah. It's no way to live your life, son. <laughs> no, not at all. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. <laughs> not at all. All right, so we're going to speculate wildly, <laughs> which is kind of hard to do, but that's what we're doing all our shows. We speculate about what's coming well, in Well, because future. this is, at the end of the day, this is a show. This yes. isn't reality. This is a dramatization of something that happened, albeit right. very well-researched. Yeah, I mean, and, and they very they did they did a good job. I mean, they you know obviously there's composite characters and things like that, and we don't know exactly what was said and so. But and and the the bridge scene may or may not have happened. Oh, know? the bridge scene did. Yeah, I've I've read same saying it was like some say it's an urban legend, some say it was real. So it's fine either way. But I mean, like like you said, it is a historical reenactment. You know, it's not fact for fact, shot for shot. It's. It's a little bit of drama. But let's speculate. I mean, one thing we know for sure, that it's uh, going to get worse and probably never get better. <laughs> like, Oh, it's going to get infinitely worse. Like, we know that things are worse than they're even playing in the show. But I think as they start to figure it out, they're going to be like, oh, my goodness. This yeah. is really, really Because bad. they aren't doing the things necessary up front. They didn't take the not, immediate steps. That not they that there's to. a lot that they can do to manage it, but... I mean, there's immediate things they could have done. Yeah. and Get everybody out. Like, for instance, yeah, exactly. Evacuating everyone. Yeah. Um, making the... Um, well, I think we don't talk about the exclusion zone until the next episode, so next we'll leave episode, that for yeah. that. But, yeah, I mean, okay, let's evacuate the town. Yeah. Do you think anybody's going to live? Uh, most of those people are dead. Yeah. Most of those people are dead within a few years, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Maybe some people... Well, some of them within days or weeks. Yeah. Some of, the fire, yeah. Some of those firefighters are gone. Yeah, instantly. And then so obviously some of the plant workers. Oh, yeah. We saw some of them Some die. of them were dead. Well, I mean, yeah. in an explosion, yeah, people yeah. are going to die. Well, some of them died from the radiation. Yeah. You know, I mean, being that close to a The core. one guy that held the door open yeah. to the core, I mean, that guy. Yeah, and yeah. the two guys that ran in there. I mean, yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're done. So that's our speculation is that yeah. it's going to get really bad and probably not get better. So it's not exactly a wild speculation, but <laughs> with this show and what's going on, it's kind of hard to get any more wild than, well, we think everyone's going to die. Right, for sure. All right, now we're going to do some things that we forgot because during our recap, inevitably there's points and moments that we meant to talk about that we skipped. So a big one that we wanted to talk about was Vasily the firefighter and his wife. Yes. She tells him... I don't want you to go. I think this is way worse than they're saying. It doesn't look normal. I mean, look at the way it's burning. And of course, he's like, "Not, nah, sweetie, it's the roof. The roof is on fire. We've got to go put it out. And that's why it's burning this color, because the roof has this weird chemical on it. And we got to go take care of it. That's our job. They're calling everybody in. We can't say no. They wouldn't take us. 
out there if it was anything other than, hey, put out the fire. Yeah, it's going to burn all night. Then we're going to put it out and everybody's going to come home and everything's fine. Yeah. Never gotten hurt before on the job. This is what I'm here to do. And then Legasoft, we talked about the dosimeter a few times and how 3.6 is the highest reading. And everybody says, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Oh, I've seen worse. Until they tell Legasoft and Legasoft's, well, that's actually really significant. Yeah. yeah, And that's a big point that, that everybody's overlooking. Like 3.6, like we said, is really a lot. And he is the first one to really kind of point out for the audience and everyone, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's significant. You really, we need to do something about this. Yeah, and he tells Boris that over the phone, and Boris just bulldozes right over him right. and doesn't listen. So right. clearly setting up this theme of, you know, the experts are not going to be listened to. Right. It's the people, the policymakers, the elected officials. <laughs> elected, that's, that's funny. The officials are there, are the ones who are going to tell everybody what to do because they know better what the people should be doing and how the people should react to what's going on. Precisely. Anything else we missed that you want to catch up on? I think we hit uh, we hit my two things. There we go. Well, thank you for joining us. Tune in next time for our continuing coverage of Chernobyl. If you're not on our email list, you should uh, go over to our website, recap.fm, and join our mailing list. And there's going to be a bunch of other shows, a bunch of other podcasts that we're doing. And you can find all of it right there on the website. But more importantly, get on the email list because uh, all of that will be disseminated out to you. Also, follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at RealJDLee. I am at Seal Adams, and that is S-E-A-L-E-A-D-A-M-S. And we have a Twitter for our podcast network, at RecapFM. No dot in that at all. Recap FM. And we will see you next time for more Chernobyl.